Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered. I'm your host, William Putvay, and I'm joined now by a very special guest, Christian Bécoté. Uh, he's an independent scout, and he covers the draft and players for sites such as Puck Preps, Draft Pro, and many others. So uh, welcome to the show, Christian. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. We've been we've been chatting back and forth now since the summer. Mm-hmm. I felt it was time to uh, to play my ace in the hole and bring you on the show. No, no, I'm always... Uh... Very happy to join any uh, any episodes you might have. Talk about hockey. It's what I love to do. But yeah, that's kind of uh, it's kind of our thing here too. Um, we know I, I for my listeners, you guys are gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, drafted players, dra- players that are up for the draft, how they're looked at, what scouts do, kind of an inside view of the glamour that is the scouting world. So we'll just start it off right off the top. Christian, what made you choose to leave your your previous career and then just start scouting? Yeah, so um, so my previous career, yes, I uh, taught internationally. I taught English uh, outside of Canada for 12 years. Uh, but then every place that I lived abroad, I was always trying to get involved with the local hockey initiatives, whether it was coaching, refing, uh, you know, starting hockey programs in some places that didn't have them, you know, they just had like a local rink uh, at the shopping malls. So, uh, so I knew I had an interest in working in hockey. And then when I came back to Canada in 2020, uh, during the, like, in the summer of the pandemic, uh, like it was my goal to find a job full-time in hockey and there were no jobs at all because there was no seasons. Uh, so I took a bunch of uh, different training courses, uh, finished up my master's in sports management, um, and then these different scouting programs that were uh, available at the time showed me different tools, and I got to meet different people, and as soon as games started, uh, started again in, in Quebec, then we started going to games, and I started meeting more people, uh, so essentially, uh, the, the job is watching hockey players, watching, evaluating, uh, trying to project uh what they'll become uh especially you know with the younger players that i i watch now like i was at a bantam tournament or a u15 tournament on friday so it's hard to tell you know 
what these players can become, but you can see some of them. Wow, you can, they're quite impressive with their individual skills and their uh, the hockey sense is something that uh, you try and engage because that's what gives you like uh, a good prediction of what uh, the player might become. So long-winded answer nope. to just to say that I'm yeah. really happy and I really love the the fact that I get to watch a bunch of games and uh, and see different players. Now, most people think that to become a scout, you have to be a former NHL player or play pro for many, many years, but that isn't the case, is it? Not necessarily. There's certainly uh, former players that are uh, hired by teams, uh, especially at the pro ranks, you know, for like NHL scouts, it can be a lot of players that were in the organization, retired, and then stay on uh, to scout for them. Um, but at the kind of minor levels, um, I think anyone can, can do it. It's just a question of, see, I, I do it for independent scouts. So I'm not even affiliated to uh, an independent website. So I'm not on it, not on a team payroll or anything. Uh, I don't have a coat with a, a team logo, um, uh, which has its advantages and disadvantages, right? Like the, obviously if I was getting paid for this full time, it'd be great. Uh, but also the advantage I have is I can watch all players, give my opinion on all players and, you know, put it out there. And then whether the teams use that or not, or the parents, it's, it's just information, right? It's just my observations. It's an opinion based industry, which is what people forget, you know, like there's no right or wrong opinion on a player. You know, you can have disagreements, but I think people get very defensive about, Oh no, like, you're wrong about this guy. This is you, you, how could you uh, rate him this score? It's all opinions, right? So what I see, I try and um, try and give like the most uh, precise and kind of complete observations on players, a lot of like watching. And I think that's where uh, my background in teaching can help, you know, like, cause I can use different adjectives. So it's not always like skates, good hits, good hard shot. Uh, I try and be a little bit more descriptive in uh, in what I write. So your own personal background, you're, you're like me. You've played throughout your entire life. You've watched your entire life and you just, you have a passion for the game. Essentially. Yeah. Uh, I have a passion for the game, great interest. Uh, just didn't have the talent to, to play uh, at a high level on the ice. And as well, you know, like with the, uh, to, to kind of different places I've lived. It wasn't always possible to play high level hockey. And, uh, but it doesn't, I think that also gives me a different perspective, right? As, as someone who hasn't been in the room as much and, and things like that, like there's, it's a different, different bias, a different, different perspective. And, and that freedom you have working for independent scouting services and doing it on your, uh, doing it yourself and providing that to them that freedom allows you the opportunity to work on your craft a little bit while also freely picking and choosing where you're going to go. Yeah. And, and I think another, well, there's, there's downsides, right? Because my, like, I'll never be in the meeting with the team, you know, like I, I don't get to pick anyone. Right. So uh, that's a bit of a downside where I think the scouts that do work for teams, there's at least that kind of, reward at the end where you're at the meeting and you can actually like be like no this guy I really 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 want to pick this guy for our team because I've seen this and and you get to convince someone uh whereas I don't I don't get that but again 
um, I'm happy to put my name next to any ranking or any observations that I have on a player and I'm happy to discuss that you know like sometimes people stop me and and say like why did you say this what, what do you see here again uh, I'm I'm more than happy to talk to anyone at, at games you know that's kind of another advantage you go into games just to to watch and kind of hide in the corner so people like to do that write their notes very discreetly uh i'm more of uh, I, I try and, and share that a little bit more i think it's an idea as well like maybe again back from the the, the teaching experience developing you know giving different um different pointers different areas for development to certain players or or things that i see you know, scouting is this, uh, it's this mythical beast. Fans don't know the ins and outs of it because, it, again, it's its more, it's a very in-depth uh, part of the game, but it's not one that's really celebrated or uh, laid out there for everyone. So yeah, what it, it is, makes... It is a lot of behind-the-scenes work. Um, yeah. Like, we see it... I think everyone kind of becomes a, a an expert every year at the draft, you know, like oh, someone watches a couple uh, games during the junior championships every winter. And then uh, they go like, Oh, this guy's great. This guy's great. This guy's not good. Um, whereas I would like to think, you know, a player that I've watched since, uh, you know, he was 15 or 16 by the time he's 18 or even you know drafted and hasn't even reached the nhl yet like i'd like to think like well i've got a couple of years uh information and baggage that can give me a hint whether or not this player will develop or not it's uh this is, is how i like to see it yeah the, the added viewings do help i mean if you see a progression in a player Mm -hmm. year over year you can assume that there might be more but if someone's stagnated or yeah and you see that you know you see you see players kind of every year at the level where they're at they're the best player and then they move up a category and so it takes time you know no unless like the elite elite players dominate right away you know what regardless of of their age but uh, especially with the younger players, there's there's growth, you know, physical growth involved. Uh, there's you know changes in, in you know their lives happening. So there's a lot of, there's a lot that goes into you know just watching a player on the ice every day. Now, could you give us a little view of uh, like a week in the life of the independent scout? Like, mm. People don't understand the glamour that is the lifestyle <laughs> very glamorous uh, a lot of driving you know you uh every week i'll, I'll watch the uh, i'll check the schedules for different games try and stay in my area as much as possible so i can go back sleep in my own bed uh, and hang out with my kids for at uh, dinner time uh but you know a lot of friday nights saturday sunday afternoons um and you know like sometimes you'll go watch one game at one caliber and then you'll switch to another arena on the same day so i can see like i'm lucky in quebec city it's pretty good you know like I could, there's a good concentration of uh, uh of games teams and uh but i do spend like a lot of weekends away and again when there's tournaments uh you know, you, you try and I try and attend those tournaments because then you get to see more teams in a, in a short amount of time. Right. So it makes for long days. Uh, but if you just have to do that one trip and you see like 
10, 15 teams, uh, you can get a lot more. And then you come back, you have all these notes that I have to retype up. Uh, but uh, tournaments are fun. Tournaments are fun because you get to, the players are there as well. So you get to watch them, but then you get to see people around as well. You know, like kind of like little celebrations of hockey uh, at different times of the year. Now that's something that a lot of people don't realize that scouts actually do go out and speak to people. They speak to the coaches, they speak to family members. Why would you, why would a scout do that? So I do that a lot less because again, I'm not picking for a team. Uh, I just like to talk to other scouts because we're, we're at the games all the time. So might as well, you know, hang out, you know, like we're, we've become, I've become friends, very close friends with certain people, either that did the same programs as me that have moved on to, to different roles within hockey, but you get to see these people, you know, every week, you know, might as well talk. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be about hockey, but I think teams, when they are um, making their decisions on players, will definitely check with uh, their coaches, their teachers, even like trainers, uh, arena staff. If you're really, really thorough in your investigation of a player, you have to, and you're making like a big decision, especially maybe at the pro ranks or with one of your first or second round picks you really want to make sure that you're getting a quality person right because there's competition you know like there's there's a lot of good players available but you want among that group the best possible fit for your team i think and being this is a canadians podcast we'll talk a little bit about the q uh draft eligible players Mm -hmm. not necessarily for the canadians just in general because i'm based out of halifax i watch a lot of q games as well Mm-hmm. Um, and for for my covering to recruit t- players for a specific military academy, let's say, wink, wink. Um, now, the Q, the last couple of years has been a little bit weaker compared to its other CHL leagues, but this draw, uh, this draft class seems to be a little bit stronger. Now, is there any any one player that tops that list for you? Yeah. So there's one standout player who is almost assured to go in the first round, uh, Ethan Gauthier. Uh, he was the first first player picked in his uh, Q draft season. Um, so he plays in Sherbrooke. He's the son of form, uh, former Habs player Denis Gauthier. Uh, but he's a forward and uh, he's very dynamic. And at the start of the season, I think he was seen as maybe like a late first round pick and recently on different lists I've seen him up to 11 he had a really good um Kalinka Gretzky tournament which really kind of showcased the scoring he's on a strong team now uh with the Phoenix um so and his like we talk about progression like his year-to-year progression has been very impressive and continues and I think by the end of the season people will already are talking about that, but he's definitely the best player available from the queue, I think. Yeah, I believe he's the lone uh, player that is given an A classification right now from NHL yeah. Central Scouting. Yeah. So that, that would put him at the top of the list for most. Um, mm-hmm. Now, him being out of the way, the obvious choice out of the way, is mm-hmm. there a gem that you're watching that you think, this is a kid that, if given a chance, could really become an NHL player? So there's like there's a lot of, of players that I personally like. 
but you know, if we're kind of going down the list and, and names that will become more familiar uh, as we get closer to the draft in Nashville, I think another uh, player to look out for is a defenseman, Etienne Marin, plays in uh, Moncton. Uh, he, I think, I think he's the best defenseman available. There's discussion whether it's him or Jordan Turini for from uh, Shawinigan. Uh, both are good options, you know, if you're if you're looking for for an NHL defenseman. And that's the thing, you know, like I've seen these are players born in 2005, so I saw them play their um, which would be their U18 first season before they joined the Q as 16 year olds. Uh, a few games again. This was the, the season with the pandemic, um, but I think those, like those three guys, so like Gauthier, Turingi, Marin. There's Cataford in Halifax as well. I think those are guys that you can see with NHL potential. Um, what about a uh, Matteo Man? Out of, uh, excuse mm. me. Yeah. So that's a, a name I was less familiar with. But then uh, I've seen a couple of Shikudami games. He's a big guy. Uh, definitely, you know, has the frame to be, you know, a pro player. Um, he's, he's got good, good ratings this season. Uh, I think he's a late birthday. So sometimes, so I, I can't say that I've seen him play uh, U18 because that would have been the previous season before I started. Uh, but yeah, that, that's, that's someone, like if you ask for uh, Diamond in the Rough, I think uh, that's someone to keep an eye on. Keep an eye on, you know, and with a uh, kind of a Maritimes connection, uh, I think he'd be, uh, he would have strong support as well and uh, good following, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there is a reason I dropped the name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, with players like that, the ones that are kind of, you're, you're not sure, they're kind of a late bloomer, is there a specific aspect of that player that you're really focusing on to project them? So people will prioritize different things. I think, um, you know, like people will say like, oh, you have to have elite skating. Everyone's an elite skater in the NHL now. Uh, you have to have vision. Uh, you need size, you know, like, you know, there's a lot of uh, smaller players now. You know, I think the average age of the NHL has dropped over the years, but the skill level has definitely increased. Still a very small player, you know, with the, the physical aspects and the wear and tear during a season. Um, I keep that in, in consideration, you know. So, like, a, a big guy, so long as he can move, I think is still uh, uh, has a very desirable, like, uh, you know, is the kind of player that you want to add on your team. Uh, you have to have the right mix, you know, and different teams have different identities at the pro level. Um, and those teams will, will pick based on their needs. And uh, that's the thing, though. You know, like very few first-rounders make an impact right away. And we, we've seen that, you know, like the draft that we attended last summer. Um, you know, it's not, I'm not saying it's hit or miss, but only of a handful that you can say like, ah, yes, right away we're seeing that at the, uh, at the NHL level. Um, so it takes time as well. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's a process. I think when uh, kind of different uh, websites and magazines do redrafts, I think they wait, is it at least five years? 
before you you can tell get a clear idea whether uh, the player translated or, or, or developed you know so so players that I'm seeing that I've seen now at you know 15 years old before they get drafted into the NHL and then five more years like there's a long way to go so uh, I think that's important as well you got to give players time now everybody's looking at the 2023 draft and they're saying this is the best one yet you know challenging 2003 even though this draft hasn't happened yet that doesn't mean that these there's going to be a stack of players that just suddenly walk into the NHL and become impact players on day one. No, you know, there's certain players that are showing that they, they might do that, you know, but uh, there's some elite, elite talent, I think, you know, available, but uh, depending on which team has those picks, uh, what kind of opportunities they're given, what kind of pressure they're, they're put under right away. I think uh, there's a lot of factors that, that come into play, but I'm certainly excited to watch the end of this season for those, uh, you know, junior players becoming draft eligible. And I'll certainly, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see where they end up, you know, in, uh, in July, June, end of June, early July. Yeah. It keeps, it keeps shifting around. We keep, <laughs> there you go. I was like thinking when, when were we in Montreal and now, uh, Nashville is that uh, last weekend of June. Yeah. Now, the there's the Canadians, as this is a Canadians-based podcast, but the Canadians <laughs> have a need for goaltending. Have you seen any goaltenders that are going to be available from the queue that could become a good pick in this draft? Um, not immediate. Like there's there's no goaltenders I don't think from the QMJHL and especially as from the uh, I think there's one uh, rated player from CSR plays he's a backup at the Ramparts I didn't see him as having pro potential uh, but he's a tall goalie and uh, you know with time uh, played Collegia last year it's kind of his first Q season. Um, there's other goalies that I liked uh, that were first round pick first round picks into the queue that aren't uh, listed right now. But again, with time, you know, like especially with goaltenders, it's very rare that an 18 year old goaltender suddenly, you know, um, joins a team and makes it a direct like uh, has a direct impact. There are goaltenders that I like, you know, Kyle Haggins, a uh, goaltender in, in the Wainahada that I like uh, with time, I think, you know, has the, the skills um, and not from this draft class. I think he's in next year's draft class. There's Goli Valdal, uh, Fernandez, son of uh, Manny Fernandez. So those are, are names to, to, to remember, but uh, whether or not they, they join the Canadians is again, uh, it's hard to tell and whether or not they, uh, join the NHL is hard to tell there's just so many uncertainties with that part of those uncertainties has been the pandemic it's Mm. taken away so much developmental time how do you feel in your viewings that it has impacted these kids it's weird you know like a lot of uh kind of a lot of the discussion among you know people that go to games is like that the caliber 
is lower. These are all the players that have suffered the most. But then again, every year we, everyone's always very excited, you know, like, so at this time, you know, during the year, people go like, ah, you know what? I can't really tell who, who's like the, the, the best player available for like the Q draft, uh, for example. And then suddenly after the, you know, there's a big tournament in La Bay coming up in, in December. Then in the first kind of CSR, the um, CSR list comes out and then people start kind of focusing on certain names. And then from there, I think um, towards the end of the season, you, it's not, it's never consensus, but you, you certainly get a, a smaller group of players that stand out. Um, and whether these players did suffer I think it's hard to tell. I'm sure there's there's people you can analyze that, but we won't know now, right? Like I remember, I keep saying this story. Like uh, the year, it's an Gauthier season. Like I watched his preseason games many times because that's all I had, you know, to go on. But he still went first overall in his Q draft, and from that group, he's the best player. So the the guys that make the decisions, you know, they they take chances, but they definitely make uh, informed decisions. And uh, I think it's, it might still be too early to tell whether the guys that missed out on their the, the pandemic seasons and the disruptions, um, whether that has a lasting impact on the talent available. How much of a trickle-down effect do you think that's going to be, though, for uh, come the NHL draft? There, there's always these uh, these guys who slide down the board. Mm. Um, how many of those do you feel are really uh, – how many are going to happen, do you feel? Always. You know, like it, this happens in uh, regular, regular seasons, like non-COVID seasons. So now more and more there's going to be players that some, some scouts saw more than others – that they're really convinced about, uh, you know, you'll, you'll, I think you'll see later round picks either if they, they get like different chances now, or it's, it's hard to tell, but I think if I had to, 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 to guess, I think more later round picks will come out as, 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 you know, better players. But the top end players, they're, they're still going to be the top, the top end, right? That doesn't change. But uh, if I had to make a prediction, I think more middle round players, you know, will uh, will come out. Finally, clearly, well, you're based in Quebec, so you 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 follow the Canadians as well. I mean, we all, it, it's ubiquitous throughout the province. Mm-hmm. You, it's constantly bombarded with it. Do you appreciate the new approach that management's taking towards the style of play? It's interesting. I think um, I, th- I think a lot of is it's it's definitely refreshing, and I think people like that new approach. But whether it works or not is is still to be determined. I think right. So I think. Uh, until the results are there, it, it will be hard to determine whether or not it was the right new approach or not. But they're certainly trying different things. And I, and I think that's kind of, that can be, you know, appreciated, you know, a franchise with so much history, trying new, new things. I think that's good. I think that there, there's a lot of positive there. 
and uh, it's certainly giving a lot of, of, of you know topics for people to to discuss um, everyone's got an opinion on, on hockey and the Canadians are very polarizing so that will never change and again trying new things I think is okay there's always it's good and bad you know you take you take uh, positives from different things, but trying new things, I think, is okay. Yeah, for for what decades, the Canadians have essentially been uh, the hockey world's version of beige. There, there's <laughs> nothing. There's nothing really. It's fairly homogenous. It's you know, it's consistent. It's okay. It gets the job done, but it's just been it, it, you know just chugging along now at least in my view they're at least trying things outside the box you know bring yes. in sandwi who's who is coaching uh u13 u15 kids but has experience in the league it's still it's something that shocked everybody and we've seen that it's actually paying some dividends mm-hmm. i think um the comments from the players are certainly positive i think that's a good thing right now but whether or not that has like a sustained lasting positive effect, we don't know yet. Right. You know, like I think we talk a lot about different uh, cycles and different shelf life of, of coaches, you know, coaches, sometimes they run out. It's, it's, a, it's hard to be in the NHL. I think a coach that has a very, very, very long impact, a very long successful impact in the same environment because, you know, they, they run out of things to say. They run out of things to show. And, uh, you know, there's up and down cycles as well. So I think I think coaching is a very, very tough job. So uh, certainly uh, one that I leave to, to others. I'll, I'll just keep, you know, writing my reports and, uh, and putting lists together uh, for the time being. Fair enough. Um now I want to thank you for your time. And before we, we end the, sh- the show here, uh, I wanted to give you the opportunity to tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find your work, what they could be looking forward to. Sounds good. Thank you very much. Uh, so I'm, I am on Twitter. Uh, so you can at my name and find me there. Uh, Puck preps has uh, a lot of articles and rankings there that you can go see draft pro. Uh, they're all uh, subscription based. So, uh, but I think it's worth the investment. And uh, every year, uh, Draft Pro puts out a very comprehensive guide before the draft, which is certainly something that you can uh, read and keep. And uh, while the, the picks are getting made, you can have ins- ins- like insider information ahead of time be- and impress your friends at the bar. Be like, oh, I know this kid. I watched him, you know, uh, watched his video from his. Uh, Swedish elite league, you know, and uh, we have uh, scouts around the world that are watching games and uh, contributing to these rankings. So I think uh, it's a very useful resource that you can rely on for, uh, you know, for players, right? And uh, and I think with uh, something that uh, is good is if, if you certainly take, if you have an interest in this, you can get involved as well, right? Like now you can uh, watch your games in your area, uh, write your reports. There's different websites like Puck Preps and Draft Pro that are looking for scouts. There's other resources that I won't plug because they can do their own recruiting. Uh, but if it's something that you want to do, you don't have to work for a team. 
you know, and if you're willing to put the, the time in and uh, there's a lot of, uh, of your own time that goes into it, but uh, it's fun. It's certainly fun because you get to watch hockey and hockey's great. What better job than being paid to watch hockey? Hey, if I, if I could do this full time, you know, that, that would be the best. Uh, but uh, certainly it's a, it's a passion and uh, I, I enjoy it a lot. So I'm going to keep doing it for, uh, for a while, for a very long time. Well, Christian, I want to thank you very much for your time and for coming on the show and sharing some insights with, uh, with my listeners. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me and uh, look forward to watching future episodes and uh, hopefully meet up with you again soon. Absolutely. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jag and Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.